0: Welcome to Backroom Talk. We
1: just had lunch, which was very nutritious. Some chicken and some vegetables and some rice, which is important because we're gonna be talking about nutrition and uh, some of the best nutrition advice we've ever received.
0: Getting right into it, my first thing is quantity is more important than quality.
1: This one is courtesy of my mom. It's a lesson that she taught me um, from like a young age, but uh, learned to cook beautiful, simple meals without a recipe
0: what my personal highest order of nutrition is it's it's not thinking about it to listen to more backroom talk be sure to subscribe learn to design personalized programs with the opex system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com
1: well guys welcome to another episode of backroom talk i'm georgia here with carl how you doing today carl
0: Doing pretty good doing pretty good how are you georgia
1: I'm doing very well. I just had lunch, which was very nutritious, some chicken and some vegetables and some rice, which is important because we're going to be talking about nutrition and uh, some of the best nutrition advice we've ever received.
0: Let's do it. Yeah. I just had lunch too. Um, What did you have? I had shaved chicken, um, a lot of greens with some avocado Mm -hmm. and salad dressing. And then I threw all of that on top of jasmine rice.
1: That sounds very good and very similar to what I ate.
0: Yeah. And salad isn't as good when there's not rice. So that's kind of where I am.
1: Most things are not as good when there's not rice. Let's be real. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to be getting into some nutrition advice that we have personally taken on board over the years and that we want to pass along to you because it's stuff that's helped us on a personal note and that has helped our clients as well. Uh, just in case you guys are like, you sound different, Georgia and Carl, we're recording remotely instead of the in-person setup we normally have. So just want you guys to know why uh, our mics might sound a little bit different today than uh, you're used to. And if you didn't notice it, then I'm sorry for uh, for letting you know.
0: They're like, it sounds way better <laughs> when that didn't. Became-
1: Well, guys, before we get rolling, just a reminder to make sure you like, comment and subscribe. That stuff makes an absolutely huge difference. uh, And we really appreciate you showing us some love, not just like listening in, creeping in on our conversations, but not ever telling us that you're listening to them. So uh, reach out. Let us know what you think.
0: Georgia, before we get started, what's what's the most interesting thing that's happened to you over the past week?
1: The most interesting thing that has happened to me over the past week, I have to repeat the sentence out loud because I feel like nothing interesting has happened to me. Um,
0: Interesting, unexpected.
1: Yeah, I have one. I have one. I went to, so I went to the urgent care because I have a little sinus infection, right? You guys probably can hear that a little bit in my voice. And when I I unfortunately have to take an antibiotic, not ideal, but the doctor at the urgent care uh, recommended that I had a probiotic food with my antibiotic and throughout the days as I'm taking it and after, which I have never heard from a doctor, like from a medical practitioner. I know this stuff. I tell my clients this stuff and uh, I'd never heard it. And my husband was in the room too. And he's like, I've never heard that from a doctor either. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Did you guys like high five and everything? You're like, thank you for telling me that.
1: We did. And I felt like touching hands and stuff was like, maybe not the right thing to do uh, mm-hmm. in the doctor's practice when I'd shown up there a little sick. But um, yeah, I thought that was pretty, that was a really great step in the right direction for uh, for the doctor, especially at an urgent care, which is like a really, for those that aren't in the US, it's kind of like a last minute emergency. You need to like get a quick, uh, quick uh, appointment with a doctor, not your regular uh, GP. So I thought that was cool
0: nice good stuff
1: what was your thing are oh, you you asked that question so I feel like something interesting must have happened to you too
0: no I, at the tail end of that at the tail end of that explanation I was like nothing interesting has really happened to me this week so I don't have a, a great answer to that um yeah no uh, well yeah I uh I coached three seven on seven football games on Monday mm. um and yeah our boys uh crushed they did a great job um and that was unexpected because we're a tackle football team not seven on seven seven on seven is like uh uh, we call it like the underwear olympics where kids like they don't have to wear pads or anything like that there's no tackling it's all just like passing on air with no one rushing you and no pressure um so we were like hey let's do this just to shore up some of the skill-based stuff and uh, give our skill players an opportunity to you know compete against other skill guys and um yeah the, the kids did really well so that was uh unexpected I didn't expect them to do that well and it was uh it was a good experience
1: well let's give a pat on the back to uh coach Carl and uh his troop of uh young footballers that's awesome
0: well it was, mo- it, was it was them I didn't I didn't catch anything or throw anything it was all them I was it just was, there for it was it was all support
1: it was all the coach. It's always all the coach. That's what we're. That's doing that's
0: true. There. Yeah, my yeah. The strategy was locked in. Without that strategy, we've gotten destroyed. So, yeah, coaching.
1: Yeah. Well, let's um, let's move on because everyone's like, your lives are boring, guys. We don't really care. Let's move on to <laughs> uh <laughs> the best nutrition advice that we have ever received, so we can uh, pass it along to the listeners. Um, Carl, this was a topic you proposed. Uh, Do you want to start off by sharing your first thing?
0: Yeah, definitely. I I can't share this first thing without uh, mentioning it's, well, I guess I can't share these first two things without mentioning it's more of uh, what came from this nutrition advice, not the nutrition advice uh, specifically, right? So I don't think there's a silver bullet. Um, I don't think that there's, uh, you know, Outside of my third piece, I don't think that there's one thing that you can tell someone that's going to change their life uh, in terms of their ideology around you know nutrition and um, you know if if thing A is better than thing B and so on and so forth. But getting right into it, my first thing is quantity is more important than quality. Um, it's the learnings that came from this, and you know I never went down a rabbit hole of. Um, you know, destroying a bunch of like ice cream and uh, gummy bears and like, you know, fitting those things into my macros. Um, But I did go through a, I did go through a, a point in, based on this advice, I did go through a point in time where I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to the the quality of food I was eating. Like naturally, I just eat, I think higher quality uh, foods, uh, comparing to to other people, um, like in and outside of my circle at the time, and yeah, just focused on you know how much am I consuming, right? What is the quantity of the macronutrients that I'm consuming? What is the quantity of the micronutrients that I'm consuming? And it was, uh, I would say, I would say this process, and it, it wasn't like a point in time where I was like, okay, I started this. Uh, you know day one and then I finished on you know day 365 uh, but I've gone through phases of this right where it's like you know I've I've uh, meticulously tracked um, all of my food and, and what was going in with like a an uh, expected outcome in mind whether it was like you know putting on some muscle or losing some body fat or you um, ensuring that I'm eating the right things to move, uh, what's going on in, in, in blood and deficiencies from blood work and stuff like that. Um, so this was, this was, this was a huge learning for me, uh, this advice and, and, uh, and implementing this because it, it almost took a lot of stress away from, uh, that idea of quality and quantity have to be 100% perfect. Um, and again, I'm, I have to repeat, it wasn't like, uh, I think the the thing we would say like f- five, six years ago was like, I'm not using Halo Top to hit my macros, right? Because I feel like that was like a, that's such, that's like etched in my brain as like a point in time where, um, you know, people are like, I have to hit my macros and I don't care what I'm using. I can get this, you know, low calorie food and it tastes great. And I can still hit my protein using it and stuff like that. So I never went through that phase, but I kind of, uh, you know, didn't really care about the quality. And I, I just did care about the, the quantity and got some really good results there and uh, putting on some muscle mass and other times losing some body fat. Um, and there were some, there were some, some negatives as well. Um, but I think the, as I went through these, the learnings on the positives and the negatives actually uh, were so beneficial just because it was a, it was an opportunity to experience
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think I reflect back on my nutrition over the years, uh and especially when I started to kind of wake up to how impactful food is on how we live our lives and there's like different seasons that I think about that I've gone through and my first season was much more tied to quality. Um went down the kind of paleo rabbit hole. I was a vegetarian for a very long time prior to that. I was very focused around the types of foods I was eating for a long time and then there was a flip, a switch that kind of flipped. And I went into that quantity mindset for uh, a period of time as well. Cause I started to realize that it's not just about eating sweet potatoes and chicken and avocado and broccoli. You definitely have to have understanding about the amount of food that you're eating too. And uh there was a whole lot of learning, like you said, in that, in that mindset, there was the breaking of some like, almost bad behaviors that are tied to uh, only focusing on quality, because I think so often we do put quality on the pedestal. Like if you eat these clean foods, clean in parentheses, because like, is the food you're eating covered in dirt? I probably not. (laughs) Um, But that gets so put on a pedestal. And sometimes we forget that it really is important to think about the quantities of different types of foods that we're eating too. And uh, yeah, lots of, lots of great learning that came from that season of my life where I was thinking about macros. I was thinking about like making sure I'm getting adequate carbohydrates to fuel my activity level because that wasn't something I'd thought about before that I'm not overeating fats and like destroying my digestion because I just ate 50 grams of fat in one meal. Um, there's so much awareness that comes from that. I certainly did have that halo top phase you talked about, Carl, where it was like, yeah, I'm hitting my protein and i'm staying under my carbs by eating the halo top ice cream but it was through that learning and through the realization that like again it's not all quantity either um that i have come to like a happy balance in nutrition so i had to go down that quantity rabbit hole to come out the other side and realize that you know things are not everything is uh, all or nothing
0: yeah for sure and you know Quantity is, it's the truth, right? We we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, subjective versus objective measurements. Uh, We can't ignore quantity, right? Because it's a fairly objective measurement. Um, We won't get into like the, you know, 15 to 20% discrepancies on either side, but it's as objective as we can be with food, uh, measuring how much of it we're getting. Um, So there's a lot of truth inside of that. And I don't think that we could ignore it. And there's so many benefits of understanding those objective uh, pieces and understanding, um, you know, how much, how much carbs, protein, and fat, and you know, all the micronutrients that we're getting in, and, and what our foods contain. Because as you go through that process for you know months, years, whatever it is, you come out the other side. Not like not that you were like a drug addict or something like that, but you come out the other side, just understanding, you know, what the what the quantity of the day to day foods that you eat are. Um, so that's that's why I appreciate you know going through that process and understanding uh what we're putting in our bodies quantity-wise.
1: Yeah, I think uh quantity gets a bad rap as well as being tied to disordered eating. Like, you know, if you are focusing on food quantity, you're gonna develop an eating disorder. And certainly it can be a trigger and it can be a negative path for some people to go down. But at least in my personal experience, there was actually a lot of freedom that came from learning about quantity and it was quality that actually triggered more disordered eating or negative thoughts around food because things were given this label of good versus bad. If I eat this thing, I'm going to get fat or this is going to happen. Um, I can never have ice cream because it's not clean. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's wrong to say that a tool like quantity or, or like quality is going to be the cause of someone's, uh, potentially, you know, Challenging relationship with food, because it can actually be a really positive thing. What can be negative for one person can end up being the thing that really helps someone else. And yeah, again, on a personal note, understanding quantity was incredibly freeing for me.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and I, I think it kind of—I mean, it definitely connects back to objective versus subjective measurements. Uh, things get things get a little bit skewed and emotional when we look at everything from a subjective standpoint. So. Uh, quality is very, very subjective, right? What's really good quality for one person might not be good quality for another based on their beliefs. So yeah, I, that that makes a lot of sense. Where it's like, you know, you can anyone can develop some some uh, some some shit that they don't want to develop in terms of like their their relationship with food when they're looking at everything from a very subjective standpoint. If you're looking at things from a standpoint of like. This has this much, this, 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 I need this much, this, this, this. I think there's some good things to come along with that. I think the, I think the, I think the balance is key though. The balance is key and being uh, just being realistic and not, not uh, well, let's jump into the next one. Cause I think these actually, yeah, I think these obviously they, they go well together. My next piece was um, uh, quality is more important. Than quantity so that was like the in no particular order another uh piece of nutrition advice that was the most beneficial for me because it took going through that rabbit hole of it doesn't matter how much i eat of something as long as it's good quote unquote good for me i will reach my desired outcome right and i i went i want to uh, gosh probably this was actually like a <laughs> A timestamp of like start this on day one, end on day seven hundred. It was like two years of this that I that I did this because I I went through a uh, nutrition seminar. It was my sophomore year, sophomore year, junior year, so second or third year of college, and we had a nutritionist come in, and this 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 guy was like the real deal. Uh, he worked with a bunch of pro teams. Um, he was kind of like new school in terms of like, uh, you know, all natural foods and all this was like paleo before it got really popularized uh, in the CrossFit community even. Um, And that's, that's essentially what he was preaching to us. Right. And he had such great intents and uh, he had such a great intent and he actually did a good job of laying out the information and the education. I just received it wrong. Um, The only thing I took from that uh, seminar. It was like a two-day piece that he that he took our our team through was quality matters, and we can't we can't overlook that because that wasn't something I was thinking about on a day-to-day basis. So I went really deep down the rabbit hole of quality and didn't even think about how much food I was eating. Naturally, we're gonna like self-regulate and eat, you know, hopefully enough or not overeat based on what our goals are. Uh, But I was an athlete, right? I was like eating a bunch of uh, very, very uh, calorically dense, high quality foods. And I felt like shit for like a year. Like I didn't feel great. Like uh, in the weight room, I didn't feel awesome. Uh, In like early AM runs, I didn't feel awesome. Like I just didn't feel great. Um, And it was was a shift from how I felt like a month prior before like going down this uh, quality, quality, quality rabbit hole. And it, like this quality rabbit hole ended up being a paleo diet without intentionally trying to make it a paleo diet. It was extremely high in fats. I never even measured, right? I never even measured. I was probably eating about 180 grams of fat. I was probably eating about um, 150 grams of carbs, um, where, you know, going into that, I was probably eating 250 grams of carbs and... (laughs) 80 grams of fat, right? So it was just like, totally flipped the switch. And I felt like crap, just felt like crap based on what I was doing on a day to day basis. Um, and I felt like that for like, a year, like n- no shit a year. And I didn't realize how bad I felt until I started, you know, <laughs> switching the amount of calories I was getting from carbs and fat. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I actually have a ton of energy because my a typical day for us was like, waking up 5 a.m., 6 a.m., conditioning, uh, class all day. Uh, after class, let's call it 3, 4 o'clock, weight room for 90 minutes. After weight room, film study for 60 minutes. After film study, practice on the field for two hours. After practice on the field for two hours, another hour, hour and a half of film study. Get home at 9:30, 10 o'clock. Go to bed and do that again, 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 again. For you know, that was like an off season. And then when it was in season, it was way more demanding than that. Um, and I just wasn't fueling myself properly. Like I didn't have enough, I'd have enough sugars in my body to fuel myself properly. So yeah, that's uh going down the rabbit hole of quality. Uh that was like the negative. But the positive was when I came out of the back end and realized, oh, I actually need to consider amounts and I need to consider. Uh, what types of food I was eating, I found like a really good sweet spot for me because I felt um, I felt like some really good stuff as I went through that experiment. Where I was like, "Oh, this food actually makes me feel great here." This food, uh, you know, clears up this like weird skin stuff that I had in my arm, right? Like just little things like that, and then kind of meshing those two things together um, was extremely beneficial. So that's kind of where I was coming from with bridging like the from our last conversation with understanding that balance for yourself.
1: Absolutely. I can relate so much to that experience, Carl. No, I was not a college football player. So uh, let's make sure everyone understands that. But, uh, I went down that quality, uh, paleo rabbit hole. I was doing the meat and nuts for breakfast, the eggs and avocado and sweet potato for lunch. Uh, again, some like more fatty meat and like low carb veggies for dinner. And I did that for years and years and years. And, uh, it was awesome in that it made me kind of wake up to, again, the types of foods that we eat and why they are why they're important, right, and why high quality food is important. But I kind of got a few years in and I was like, I'm doing all this training and I'm like eating the right kinds of foods, but I'm not seeing the changes in body composition that I really want to see. Why am I unable to shed these like kind of five pounds or so that are sitting around my midsection that I'd rather not be there? And it took, moving into quantity and starting to understand that to see some like more favorable changes on the body composition side to see gains in lean mass that i was struggling to put on because i wasn't fueling for the type of training that i was doing um but again there was a ton of learning that happened from that quality experience and the other thing that i think is really beneficial about leaning heavily into quality at least for a period of time is that for someone that's on a nutrition journey it can be a more feasible place to start it's a uh, it's easier to wrap your head around quality and it takes less effort to implement quality than it does to implement quantity. And I know we both went quality and then quantity for different reasons, but as a coach, when you introduce these ideas of quality first and you work on that before quantity, I just think, and I mean, I've seen it play out time and time again, it's easier for people to wrap their heads around the idea of let's eat some colorful veggies and let's prioritize some lean protein sources. And let's look at the types of carbs we're getting and make that their focus before you start having the conversation of, do I need to weigh and measure this? And you may find for that person, you never actually need to weigh and measure anything that they are able to kind of self-regulate and based on their activity and based on their goals, they get what they need to from their nutrition. just by focusing on quality alone. But uh, yeah, I think going all in on quality first is a really good place to start for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think um, identifying what to really focus on depends on who you are. So that 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 decision to focus on quality or quantity and those things being the most important thing, it has to be personalized, right? Like the story that I just said, it was like, or the story that I just told, I was, uh, I was 6% body fat and following a nutrition prescription for someone that was 36% body fat. Right. Like the only thing I took from that, that seminar was, um, if you're fat, don't eat carbs. And like, I didn't think I was fat, but that like, for some reason I was like, oh man, I need to eat carbs for, to get all the, or I need to take away carbs and buy as fat to get all of these benefits but little did I know, um, the guy on the stage was talking about if you're 36% body fat, think about this. Um, so I was like, if it'll work for them, it'll really work for me. Right. Um, and that's, that's not the way it works. Right. Like I, I should have actually been, uh, you know, for what I was doing on a day-to-day basis and my body fat percentage at the time, I should have been, uh, you know, I should have inverted that, that, uh, that advice that he was giving
1: Definitely. I think nutrition is one of those things where like, if you know a little bit, you can be so, so dangerous. And yeah. gosh, you see that time and time again with uh, different influences and coaches and people in in the online space going hard down the rabbit hole of like one particular way of doing something because they had a good good result from it, or they read one study that had positive effects for one specific population of people. So I think just always considering and remembering what you don't know about nutrition is highly important and if you find yourself going down one specific camp like it's quantity or nothing or it's quality than nothing just remind yourself that there's got to be more out there that you don't know and um be okay with that that doesn't mean don't have conversations around nutrition with people it doesn't mean uh that you know nothing but it just means that there's some stuff that you don't know and you're not aware of that you should be constantly working to try and figure out
0: yeah, I think everyone just needs to be extremely clear on why they're eating the way that they're eating. Um, eating four thousand calories a day. Let's say, let's say Georgia, your your uh, your goal is to drop body fat percentage for whatever reason. If you eat four thousand calories a day in extremely high quality foods, organic, free range, grass fed, blah blah blah. If you're eating four thousand calories a day you're not going to get there, right? You're not going to get there. If your goal is to lose body fat, if you're eating 2,500 calories a day and absolute garbage, right. And your protein requirements are like, you're hitting your protein requirements and your training, you're going to get there and you're going to get there a lot quicker than the person that's eating 4,000 calories and high quality foods is going to realize that that's not going to get them to that aesthetic goal. So but what I said doesn't mean that low quality food is better for aesthetics. It just means that you have to, you have to be intelligent enough to understand like truths, right? Calories that you're eating, like that's an objective truth, right? Like you can't just go out and eat, you can't eat Michael Phelps diet and not swim for eight hours a day and think you're going to look like Michael Phelps. Like that's just asinine, right? It seems crazy, but we do it right. And I did it right. Like I, 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 the, the story I told that was me doing that, eating something like someone else should have been eating and expecting to feel great and to uh, put on a bunch of muscle mass. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to, uh, to look at those things, uh, both at the same time and just to wrap that whole thing up. That's, that's what those two things kind of, uh, going through those two processes all in taught me. And then just really quick, this has nothing to do. Well, it does have a little bit to do with both of those, Um, I went through this phase where I put them both into play like a madman, right. Where I was like quality and quantity really matter. And I need to eat the highest quality foods for every meal. Not, not good. Right. To think like that. And I have to absolutely nail the quantity to get as lean as possible. Uh, so I did those two things at the same time for like a year and a half two years where it was just like die like absolutely dialed in and that's not good either <laughs> like you just when you go too far I'm like the it has to be this it has to be this it has everything has to be perfect uh that's when that I don't like I didn't develop an eating disorder uh luckily well maybe I did actually a little bit because I I would think twice about eating certain types of foods and I would think three times about eating too much of those foods so yeah I guess that is a uh a version of an eating disorder. Um, man, I just found out today on this podcast, I'm uh, recovering from my eating disorder.
1: These are all important reflections. But no, I think uh, like realistically, we all like sit somewhere on a spectrum with our relationship with food, right? It's not like you are anorexic or bulimic or you have a completely healthy relationship with food. There's a lot of people that kind of sit in that gray area based on their experiences. And like what you're talking about there, Carl, being like so wow. dialed in, on quality and quantity yes there may be like specific applications for a short period of time where it's useful for someone to focus on those areas um but should someone be doing that for two years no (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah do you wanna um do you wanna hit your third piece of nutrition advice and then i'll roll through mine
0: uh sure i feel like i'm bombarding this conversation but
1: do it because i'm gonna do it next
0: uh yeah i think this is Actually, no, I want to I want to end with mine because it's kind of like it's the it's the perfect piece of nutrition advice. So I don't want to I don't want to waste it now.
1: What if I think mine's the perfect piece of nutrition advice? I'm just kidding. It is really good. So, guys, you're going to have to hang around till the end of the episode <laughs> to hear Carl's perfect nutrition advice. Um, non to-
0: non subjective. This is objective, man. <laughs>
1: Objectively the best. (laughs) You heard it here first. So I'm going to share my first piece of nutrition advice, which is it's not always going to be this hard. And this actually like came to mind it's come to mind to me a lot recently. Like it's been something I've been thinking about in my own nutrition habits, but it's also a conversation I had yesterday with a client around some habit setting for some specific lifestyle goals. So we're trying to get her bedtime earlier, right? Um, She's historically been like a midnight or later sleeper. The last month we've been working on 11.30 PM. We're not 100% there with compliance so we're sticking with 11.30 for another month to see how that goes. But we had a conversation around how, exercise is always hard, right? Like the gym doesn't get easier. You get stronger, you get fitter, but it just means that you can continue to increase load, to can continue to increase your pace. Like there's always an element of challenge in exercise. And that's a good thing. We need challenge in exercise to be able to adapt. When it comes to nutrition and lifestyle though, That's all habit-based. We want to create habits in our day-to-day with how we eat, with how we, you know, get sun exposure and sleep and all of these good things. And habits aren't hard. Like by definition, a habit is something that you can do automatically that you like don't have to think about that doesn't have like resistance and tension in making it happen because it's habitual. It's just something you do. And that's what we want to get with nutrition. That doesn't mean that nutrition is easy from day one um, and behavior change is really hard. Like changing behaviors around eating is probably, it's harder than going and working out, right? <laughs> and I think most coaches know this. The hard part is not compliance in the gym. Oftentimes the hard part is compliance outside of the gym. So that initial like road bump to implementing a nutrition habit can make it feel like this is never going to be easy. This is always going to be hard. I'm never going to be able to do this. Um, and that can be incredibly overwhelming and just make you feel like you're never moving in the right direction with nutrition but the beauty of habit change is that as you start implementing this thing like maybe you decide that you are going to cut out dessert and you've been eating dessert for years uh the first week where you finish dinner and you sit down on the couch and normally you'd be grabbing a cup of ice cream it's going to feel brutal not to be eating that ice cream because you're so used to it but As those weeks tick on after a couple weeks, a month, it's just gonna be a thing that you do. You sit down on the couch and you don't have ice cream. So I think it's a really important thing to remember when we are making changes in our nutrition. Yeah, it might be hard in the beginning, but it's not always gonna be hard if we do it the right way. I think you're muted.
0: We should probably save that one for last. That that might be better than mine. that's actually that that's a good point and i think uh i don't think you said this but it's not nutrition that's hard though right it's it's nothing to do with nutrition right it's not like food is hard for you or doing this with food or not doing that with food is hard, it's hard it's building or breaking habits is the hard part right um like you said that georgia and i'm like thinking like what's an example of this outside of food that I've experienced? Um, it's like getting my damn kids to make their bed every morning was hard until it wasn't, right? Like, you know, uh, getting getting a kid to brush their teeth every morning without you having to ask is hard until it's not, right? Um, it's the same thing, it's just, it's behavior change. Behavior change is actually challenging until you just get a lot of reps in on that new behavior. Um, and it, it does get easier, right? So like the the way that you laid that out was 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 really good because it's not nutrition itself, it's breaking whatever habits you're trying to break. Um, if someone has awesome habits around nutrition, nutrition is gonna be easy for them, right? Like we've all worked with new clients that haven't had a coach before and they just have like really good behaviors around nutrition and they're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good here. I don't, I don't think I need any refining, right? And like, you want to refine it. You want to like coach them in that. And They're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. And you take a look at it and you're like, yeah, I don't think I would actually change anything. And if I did, it would just be for the sake of changing it, uh, because, it because they have some really good habits built around. Um, even with people that come in and they say, you know, because I know that you said that um, for some exercise can be easy right? But for some exercise can be extremely hard to find the quote unquote motivation to go in and do that thing. It's, it's usually not creating that new behavior. That's hard. It's breaking whatever the old behavior is. Like if the old behavior is I get off of work and I go home and sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's not that you need to build in this new behavior of going to the gym. You have to first think about breaking that old behavior Right. Because usually you don't do something because you would rather do something instead, even if that something is nothing. <laughs> right. I hope that made sense. But uh, yeah, behavior change is usually about breaking something, uh, in, in my opinion, when it comes to fitness and or nutrition.
1: Yeah, I just I. Um... I think it's the danger in drawing comparisons by the people that you see that you think they've got it all worked out right they eat their they drink their perfect green smoothie in the morning and they eat their like macro balanced salad at lunchtime and they eat their healthy dinner at 6pm and they don't eat anything after that and you're like looking at them like. I don't do this. I'm never going to be capable of doing this. I can't do what this person does. And a lot of people play the comparison game with nutrition, right? There's a reason why the like day on the plate posts are so, so popular. And you kind of talked about don't do the Michael Phelps diet before Carl. And that's what came to mind. Like why are there so many people comparing what they do in nutrition to what other people that have nothing to do with them do in nutrition, but you don't know that person's story. Like you don't know what the 10 years prior to them being at the place that they're at has looked like in terms of learnings and experiences in nutrition, where something might've been hard for them in the past, but it's not anymore because they've put in the reps and they've created these habits that just make that sustainable for them. So Mm -hmm. don't ever try and compare what you're doing with what someone else is doing in nutrition, because their habits are not your habits. And If you want them to be cool, but it's going to take time because habit change is really, really tricky. And I think about that all the time when I think about my own nutrition habits and how I'm like conveying that to people because I don't want them to think that I just like, you know, all of a sudden like, ate my balanced oatmeal for breakfast every morning and had my rice and veggies and salad for lunch every day and had a couple hard boiled eggs and a banana for afternoon tea and uh, had a healthy dinner of like fish and quinoa and veggies. And that's just something I've always done. And it was always easy for me because it hasn't always been easy. I've gone through times where I've been really, um, I guess, uh, I've had low variety in my diet because, I was exploring ideas around quantity and quality, but I didn't really know how to change it up and on a daily basis, right? Like, so I ate the same thing time and time again through lots of learning and lots of experience. I now am able to have more variety in my diet because I don't have to spend so much time thinking about what I'm going to cook. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it's not always going to be hard uh, as it is. At- It's never going to be as hard as it is on day one when it comes to uh, implementing habits or maybe like, let's say day five, because day one's easy. Uh, It's day five where like happy hour pops up um, that it starts to be challenging. But um, yeah, I just, I I don't want people to get disillusioned just because they're faced by challenges in the beginning or they're trying to be someone else.
0: What's the, uh, what's the last, what's the last thing you can think of of a, habit you tried to implement or a habit that you tried to break that was really challenging for you?
1: So I went through like a weight cut for a tournament um, earlier this year. So I had like six weeks where I knew I had about five pounds that I wanted to cut and I was going to cut a pound per week. And for me, that meant removing eating out. And I really like eating out on the weekends, right? Like I like to be able to go out for pizza and wine on a Saturday night. I like being able to go out for tacos and chips and a margarita on occasion. Um, That's just, it's fun for me, right? Like I look forward to that. uh, And it's just part of my routine that I would go out on a Saturday night and not eat at home. So the first like couple weeks of being like, I'm cooking dinner at home on a Saturday night and not going out because it's going to be much easier for me to control what I'm eating if I do this and I know it's for a limited time, blah, blah, blah. That was challenging, getting out of eating out on a Saturday.
0: Well, you did go out for Janice's birthday. Uh... I
1: did, I did, because you know what? I will never say no to a birthday celebration. Uh, yes, I think appreciate that, that. I think that it's super lame to be that person that's like, I'm not going out to eat um, <laughs> on someone's birthday, but I didn't have an alcoholic drink and I ate the fish, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was very easy. I, I looked at your meal. I was like, yeah, she's keeping it simple. She's, I did. I saw you uh, under the table in chronometer, not joking.
1: I, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I definitely logged my food though. I tracked all of my food for that six week period, which uh, yeah. if you'd asked me to do that, I don't know eight years ago it would have been really challenging because I didn't have much experience tracking but now I do so it's not that challenging anymore um but uh yeah I would have rather ordered the pork belly and had a margarita but uh I kept it simple with water and fish instead there you go um and
0: you put food in your tea in the afternoon which is interesting so that's another good thing
1: I put food in my tea
0: in your tea you said my afternoon tea so (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was so confusing to me. That's like a snack in Australia, <laughs> afternoon I, tea.
0: I know, I know. But just for those that were like, does she does she eat her tea? What is going on?
1: You got to chew your tea, guys. It um it promotes salivation, which is really important for the digestive process. So make sure you chew your tea. Or
0: that's,
1: that's my next piece of advice.
0: Or spit in your tea. <laughs> Don't. The, the, the saliva is already. I know that was just too far.
1: Those digestive enzymes, but make sure you don't heat the tea um hotter than I don't know eighty five degrees Celsius because it will uh it will kill the enzymes.
0: That was you just got you guys just got educated. All right, I I just got educated actually. <laughs> um, what's next?
1: So next, I have on my list nutrition and exercise are not a transactional relationship. So, I get it calories in, calories out is a thing. Um, We know that we expend energy through activity and through our daily body functions and uh, everything that we do as we move around. Um, And we also know that we add energy to our bodies with the food we eat. But I think that having that as the primary motivator for eating or for working out is very negative because there's a lot of other really good reasons to move your body and to eat food other than just thinking about them as a transaction, a caloric transaction. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I think about acuity. I think about energy. I think about the relationships and the uh, like enjoyment and tradition that can come from eating. Uh, I think about like having glowing skin and nails uh, from all of these other amazing things that you get from food. And it just seems so reductive to think about nutrition only as something that is a caloric transaction are that you do to look a certain way, or even to feel performance in a certain way. There's just so much more to it.
0: Sorry, that awkward silence while I took my uh, Zoom off of me. Um, yeah, that I think that's a you know that's just a, a continuation of the quantity quality conversation, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's all about having perspective and not getting not getting so lost and. Like this equals that, um, while still understanding that this does equal that. So, like, a, that's that's you know what I mean. That's that's tough to that's tough to explain to someone that's never uh, done this or that. You know what I mean? Like, you have to experience those things to truly understand that that um, very broad statement that would make no sense to someone that doesn't know what we're talking about, right? So, experience is is really important, but do you know, cause we're speaking to a lot of coaches do, does every client need to experience all of these things, man, I would love to say you could just teach them. Right. And be like, learn from my mistakes, but people don't learn from your mistakes. Right. Like we don't learn from people telling us this is the way it is or the way that it's not. Um, and I'm not saying like, let's, let's urge all of our clients to like, go on this, you know, if it fits your macros protocol or go on this uh, quality over everything, I don't care about anything else, um, but it is beneficial to, to experience those things.
1: Definitely. I am um, something else that came to mind when I was thinking about this too, was just how the, how short um, or how there are just massive shortcomings to measurement. And we think that we are getting a objective measure of calories out and calories in by the smartwatch that we wear on our wrist, by what we're tracking in chronometer. But the reality is that Measurement is not accurate at all. And if we think that we have this perfect transaction because we've calculated our macros for the day and we've looked at our Apple Watch and we've seen how many calories we're expending over the course of the day, that shit's just not accurate. It's not true. So, uh Yes, we talked about the fact that there is some objective truth in quantity. Uh, and yes, it is good to have awareness, but we also have to recognize the shortcomings there, especially if we're trying to like calculate those two things and even even them out or cancel them out or have you know be in a deficit. We just have to be mindful that that stuff is never perfect.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um relative, like if if we're looking at it from a relative standpoint, it could be beneficial, right? Like, I understand when I do this versus that, I quote unquote, burn more calories or expend more energy. Um, I think that stuff is beneficial for people to understand. Like, when I go out for a 20 minute run, uh, based on all the biometrics that my my Apple watch is shooting back to me, I'm actually burning two times the amount of calories than I do if I bike for 20 minutes at what I think is the same effort, right? Or like RPE I think that could tell someone something, they're like, man, I'm really inefficient at running, right? Not, oh, I need to eat this much to balance this thing out. Um, So, yeah, I think, gosh, I think there's so much good stuff in almost everything, but I think we could just misuse a lot of things. And I think that's kind of where you're going with the um, transactional piece.
1: Yeah. I just don't like seeing people try to overexercise, like make up for what they did the night before either. Um, And that's a, like a habit you see people uh, fall into. And it's a really unfortunate one because like, has one bad meal ever been the reason that someone put on 10 pounds? No, but there are certainly people that, go out and then feel like they have to go work out for two hours the next day to make up for it and develop a really unhealthy relationship with not only with nutrition, but also with exercise and the reasons that they're exercising. And just like there's great reasons to eat outside of uh, just consuming calories. There's also really great reasons to move outside of just burning calories. So trying to separate those two things, but also recognize that they are they go together. I get it. It's like a weird like paradox. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around, but you have to do both.
0: Yep. God. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we could actually probably have a whole discussion on this and kind of go back and forth and throw out different ideas. Um, God, I think when you go too far into anything, it's dangerous, but it is important for people to understand that physical activity does burn calories. Right, uh, but it start. It's it's like when you misuse that concept. I think that's that's kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying. It's like you know I went out and did this last night, so I have to go and burn all of these calories today. Um, and they think it just like evens itself out. Um, if we're talking about if we're talking about Consumption versus expenditure, it actually might, right? Depending on you know how accurate that equation is, uh, it it might. But there's some there's some bad behaviors I think that are being developed. I think that's the bigger thing, the 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 intentions and the behaviors that are developed out of those actions, right? It's not that the actions are wrong. It's like the way that we think we can fix everything right? Where it's like, our bodies aren't this complex thing. If I go out and just annihilate it last night, I can just like fix it today, you know? And that's, that's not really the case unless you're speaking to someone that's like, I don't actually give a shit about health. I don't give a shit about this and that. I just care about my energy balance and I need to make sure that I'm burning more calories than I'm taking in. And it's like, okay, cool, man. Keep rolling. But you're going to, if you know that, that stuff's going to compound. If you try to do that three days in a row, you're not going to have the energy to expend that energy on day four right um yeah it's interesting
1: yeah and just like to go back to the point i made before about the it's not always going to be hard if that's the route that you go down it is always going to be hard Uh, or at least you're going to have some behaviors that are ingrained in you that are really exhausting to try and uphold but it is it's going to be your your default it's going to be what you go to because you haven't taken the time to set the good behaviors yeah definitely Let's roll into, I've got one more and then we'll finish with your last piece of advice uh, to cap us off. So this one is courtesy of my mom. It's a lesson that she taught me um, from like a young age, but uh, learn to cook beautiful, simple meals without a recipe. Uh, Home cooking is amazing (laughs) when it comes to nutrition, to eating wholesome foods, to knowing what goes into your food, to having an appreciation of food, to being able to sit down and commune with others and like put love and thought into that food outside of just like throwing something in the microwave. There's like nothing better than a home cooked meal to bring people together and to make you appreciate the kinds of foods that you're eating and the time it takes to make them and the different ingredients and things like that. I think a lot of the time though, people really overcomplicate home cooking and they think that they need to make something that has like a list of 50 ingredients uh, and it's got to be really complex and they have to reinvent the wheel and cook something new every single night. And I just don't think that's the case. I think you can have really delicious, simple food that makes the most of really fresh ingredients um, that you've sourced locally. If you just like learn some basics, right? Like, if you start to understand flavor combinations and how to balance like salty and sweet and umami and sour flavors, if you learn some like really simple cooking techniques and the best ways to roast vegetables versus like boiling some Brussels sprouts, which is why every kid you ask hates Brussels sprouts because their mom boiled them. Um, I think if you learn some really simple techniques, how to prepare proteins at home and you don't have to rely on the effort it takes to like open up a recipe book or look up a recipe and then go buy 20 ingredients you don't have in your pantry, It makes home cooking so much lower barrier and much easier to do. So that'd be my advice, like learn to cook simple ingredients without a recipe. And it's going to make this idea of like prepping food for you and your family so much more accessible and make the whole idea of eating nutritious quality food um and quantities as well right because think about eating out you don't have any control really over how much butter is being used when they cook you don't really know like how much rice is in there and you're probably going to eat what's on your plate versus uh what might be a more reasonable portion so in cooking your own food you have a lot more of control over quality and quantity of food and uh, it's cheaper as well
0: Yeah. When I think of, when I think of that concept, like I, I always think like that's something that you just learn while, when you're a kid, right. It's like, that's, I think for most people, it's really challenging for them to learn, quote unquote, learn to cook, uh, as an adult for those people that fall into that, where they're, they think they're just like terrible cooks and like, they just have it in their brains. Like, I just can't do it. I need to like go to a meal service or I have to go out and, uh, you know, I've actually seen people do this Buy like five pounds of chicken from Chipotle and bring that home as like my, my, my meals for the week. How, how, how does someone learn to cook?
1: As a like as a child, um, I was really lucky that I was in the kitchen with my mom all the time. Right. Like I I got to learn through experience that rosemary and garlic taste really good together and, uh, you know, how to cook a piece of fish versus cook a piece of red meat and things like this. I was just in the kitchen with my mom and she's a great cook. Most other people, or not most, um, but a lot of people don't have that. Like my husband, his parents will happily admit that they're not good cooks. And he knew nothing about cooking when we first met, like nothing at all. He could like barely fry an egg. So I've had like firsthand experience of what it's like to teach an adult to cook because I'm not that kind of person who's going to cook all the meals and have no assistance at all. So I'd say just like start with a really like something really simple that, you know, you like to uh, like to eat and learn how to make that. Um, If you have a friend who's a good cook, like ask them to get in the kitchen with them uh, because there's some intuitive stuff that you pick up over time that you just wouldn't know that you would never learn from a cookbook, right? Like you just, this stuff isn't in recipes. So if there's a family or a friend, a family member or a friend who are excellent in the kitchen and preparing nutritious foods, ask them to come over next time they're cooking dinner, be their sous chef, chop things up for them. And, uh, I think you just got to like get in there and learn hands on. It's a really hard skill to learn otherwise.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think people should look at like a tool that they could fall in love with, like a cooking tool they could fall in love with. Right. Like some people, it's a, it's like a crock pot for some people. It's a grill for others. It's like a, a trailer. for others. It's an air fryer. Right. But like, uh, I think that's a good start, like get really good at using like one tool. Um, And then I think a lot of people can build some confidence in their cooking abilities, Um, just kind of experimenting, like you're saying, right? Um, I know you got, what's the book that Jacob got you for?
1: Um, Oh, completely. I'm gonna look it up right now. It's Dave Chang's new uh, book, Uh, Cooking at Home or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Recipes and love my microwave. Um, It's a great book, a great book for a beginner in the kitchen who's uh, learning to, it's like built around like your protein types, different kinds of types of starch, different types of veggies. So for someone that is uh, learning to cook, the David Chang uh, cooking at home is a really good one.
0: And that was an example of someone that was a chef, but they weren't good at like just uh, ad living and just like throwing something quick together at home, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because it is different Uh, following recipes and like advanced French cooking techniques and things like this are so, so different from like just everyday home cooking that like tastes great and is pretty simple and makes the most of uh, flavorful, fresh ingredients. So uh, yeah, it's a good, good starting point. Good one there. I didn't even think of that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that when you when you said that title, because I knew uh, you had that book. Um, so, yeah, I thought you pulled it from that, but I guess not.
1: No, no, it's I just think about it all the time. I like I'm yeah. eternally grateful for my mom. So anyone that's a parent, put your kids in the kitchen. Like, I know it's frustrating. I know it's like hard because they chop things wrong and their spill is they're like whisking the pancake batter and everything like that. But if you have kids and you can get them in the kitchen, they're going to be grateful for the rest of their lives that you taught them to cook. Boom. There we go. Wrap,
0: wrap it up with the uh, best nutrition advice.
1: Yeah. Let's,
0: ever give or receive.
1: This is, uh, this is it. This is the moment you guys have all been waiting for Carl's best ever nutrition advice. <laughs> uh,
0: my last one, which I think uh, it's, it's honestly taking everything that we've talked about really. Um, Cause I think we, we always come back to the concept of uh, keep it simple and there has to be a level of personalization and every nutrition strategy uh, prescription, uh, executing on whatever, whatever we want to put after that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, keeping, keeping the protocol as simple as possible and personalized for someone is, is really important. Um, I don't know if we really have to dig too, too deep into that. Cause I think, uh, we dug into that and in each one of those other five points.
1: Um, my head just exploded. I, uh, everything's changed no nothing has changed because I feel like that's what I practice in my nutrition could you um how, how is your nutrition simple and personalized like what is we talk about in CCP this idea of like higher order nutrition or highest order nutrition and there's some guidelines as to what that looks like but part of that is personalized so it is a little bit different for everyone so what's your highest order nutrition Carl
0: um yeah it's a good question mine is it's like, I don't really think about quality anymore um, because I'm at a point where I've just like eaten a certain type of way uh, for so long. And I feel really good eating that certain type of way that I don't really have to consider like, oh, I can't touch this or don't do this or don't do that. So I don't even think about that anymore. Um, I still think about quantity though. Um, You know, So for myself personally, I'm on a daily basis, I'm thinking about how much am I eating? Um, more from a standpoint of we're all busy, right? Like we're all busy, and um, you know, we want we want to feel a certain way on a day-by-day basis. We all have things to do with work and uh, you know, our own health and fitness, um, having kids, uh, making yourself available, uh, not being bogged down at the end of every night. So um, yeah, I think uh my own version is not really worrying about quality because it's like, I have so many reps, right? I have those reps and I know it works really well for me and what I feel good on or not. Um, And then paying attention to quantity and, you know constantly doing checks on, you know how much food am I getting? Uh, How am I distributing um, across all macros? And am I staying as balanced as possible? Am I getting in enough fats? Am I getting in enough carbs? Am I getting too many fats? Am I getting in too many carbs? And it's almost just like a a week by week give and take, right? Like I know, you know, because I don't have like cycles or anything like that, you know, um, I know, you know, based on, you know, everything else being equal and food being the only variable, if I eat this, this week, uh, or if I eat too much of that, that week, I might feel a little bit bloated, right? I might feel a little bit. Uh, heavy or bogged down or my energy just isn't there. Um, So it's just always, it's always taking a look at those things and uh, just keeping it really, really simple. I know that was like that last piece, but you know, I've never been one to like prep meals and stuff like that. Right. Like it's just, you know, what we do in our house, it's like whatever we have for dinner um, that's what we have for lunch the next day. Right. And it's like, I've done that for so many years now where it's just like, um, it's super sustainable for me. Um, I don't ever have to like, you know, put in my calendar, like three years, three, three years, three hours to get like food ready on a given day or anything like that. Um, yeah. And it, it gives me, it gives me the ability to, you know, eat the way I want to eat without taking away from my, my day to day.
1: I love it. I'd, um, I'd agree. Quality is no longer like a big consideration for me, except I'm like, careful of, uh, some of the foods I know don't agree with my digestion. And I have to be mindful of that, especially if we go out to eat, I am a prepper, uh, just based on like having a busy lifestyle, like training before and after work and the amount of time we're away from, uh, away from the home. It's always preferable for me to be able to make really simple, Uh, food on a Sunday that I can have uh, for lunches throughout the week and even have dinners kind of lined up for the rest of the week as well. So we do do meal prep throughout the week. But um, part of my highest order nutrition is being able to like cook the things I really love on a Friday and a Saturday um, and a Sunday and just spend a little bit more time like focusing on uh, slightly more complex cooking or things that take a little bit more time or don't reheat so well because like lunches are like chicken and veggies uh, in the slow cooker and rice because that reheats really well and is really easy to batch out. So um, I'd say that is, uh, that's the big piece for me, like having the weeks be as simple as possible. So that's already looked after and then being able to play and explore a little bit more on the weekend. Cause I love cooking. I get a lot of enjoyment from it. I love good food. Um, I love to be able to eat out. And I think uh, just like a little reminder I have to myself on eating out, especially is like, how am I going to feel the next day if I, uh, if I make this choice? Uh, so that's always a consideration as well.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely an ad libber. I don't like to plan things around food.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's th- there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging you for ad libbing.
0: No, no, I'm just saying like, uh, it's interesting. Cause you walk through that. And as you were walking through that, I was thinking a little bit more on that. Um, like what my personal highest order of nutrition is it's, it's not thinking about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's getting to a point where I don't have to think about it um which I, I feel like I'm at that place but uh sometimes it'll bite me like once every month I'm like oh shit like I don't have anything for lunch today um so yeah that definitely happens so that's a, a you know a downside or a drawback to that but hey gives you an opportunity to build a little bit more resilience and uh order something from flower child that day
1: that's exactly what I was thinking some flower child or some Middle Eastern food
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah well uh guys i think uh you just your total nutrition world has been rocked by this conversation you've got six pieces of nutrition advice you can carry with you share with your clients um when it's appropriate Uh, so hopefully there's been some uh some value in this conversation for you
0: definitely thanks guys appreciate it
1: thanks guys listen uh listen in next week we'll uh see you for the next episode